Hi, can you slate your name, please? Hey, my name is Gabrielle Ruiz. I'm 5'4", and I'm located and based out of Los Angeles. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Slate Your Name, the show where actors share true Hollywood tales and discuss the highs and lows of working in the entertainment industry. That's called range. I'm your host, Michael McMillan, coming to you from Slate Your Name Enterprises, an undisclosed location deep within the Hollywood Hills. It was a theater. Now it's a bunker in the Hollywood Hills. It's many things. This show exists across the multiverse. How are you, everyone? Welcome back. Hope your week is going well. It's only Tuesday. We got a ways to go. So hopefully I can uh, help uh, get you get you over the hump, which is tomorrow. Guys, I'm uh, pretty lucid right now because I've had a very busy week. I'm doing lots of stuff. This is this is this is a time. This is the kind of week where I'm stirring lots of pots at once and they're all just kind of simmering. Some are starting to boil, but I'm wearing a lot. I'm, I'm stirring lots of pots and I'm also wearing different hats. It's too much confusion in the kitchen. Why are there so many hats? We understand why there are so many pots. Are there too many pots? Maybe. Are any of them seasoned correctly? I don't know. You be the judge after you taste this podcast. This week, I'm sitting down with actress Gabrielle Ruiz, whose career began in New York doing musicals like A Chorus Line and In the Heights. Fate eventually led her to the role of Valencia Perez in Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, where we met. Uh, and that was a role that wasn't necessarily meant to stick around, as we discuss. You may also know Gabrielle from appearances in Modern Family, Better Things, as well as her voiceover roles in Star Trek, Lower Decks, and Spidey and His Amazing Friends. Spidey, he's an old friend of mine. I love Spider-Man. Let's get right to it, because I got some pots that, you know what? I f forgot to turn the burner on, on a couple of them. <sighs> it was a theater, then it was a bunker, and now it's a kitchen. Guys... Let's just get to my chat with Gabrielle Ruiz. I'll see you back here after that. Gabrielle, welcome <laughs> to Slate Your Name. Oh my gosh. Another crazy ex-girlfriend cast member. What is You've this guy You've got the connections, McMills. Yeah, really the show's just, you know, you know, it's, I say at the top of the show, it's, you know, uh, actors talking to each other about, you know, working in the Hollywood entertainment industry. But really, it's just like me getting a chance to hang out with some of the my favorite people that I've worked with uh, so strangers can listen to it. That's all this really is. <laughs> That's what they want. Just give them what they want. Yeah, give them what they want. <laughs> Gabrielle, uh, you are a mom, and you are, you're a working actor and a mom. When I, in the past, I've heard from... Uh, other parents say who are actors and pursuing this stuff like, oh, yeah, once once I had a kid, it all came together. Do you find this to be true or not? Like sometimes I thought maybe if I have a kid, I'll just be working nonstop. It hasn't happened for me in that Hollywood story way. But when does it honestly? Um, 
I am very grateful about my voiceover career right now. It has been an, an amazing, not even a net, but like an amazing pro- progression since the pandemic. And then I got pregnant in 2021. So no, in 20 at the end of 2020. So I booked like my first like <clears throat> kids Marvel show. I'm not kidding, Michael, like Wednesday before LA shut down on Friday. That's crazy. And I got the yeah. phone call. I remember kicking my leg in the rain. It was a rainy day. And I was like, yay, we did it. You know, like there was this big, great get, you know. Playing it's, Miles Morales's mom. I am. I'm playing Rio. It's so fun. And like literally in there for 20 minutes and they're just happy all the time. That's what I love about voiceover. It's so different. Yeah, everyone can excuse me. I just, both my daughter and I are recovering from a cold. So you might hear me sniff. <laughs> you know cough. what? We give it, we give these people the real Hollywood dish. Okay. Yes. So the, Actors so the ho- get colds too. We get colds too. And so like the Hollywood, like, did I break into like this new great show and I'm just so busy? No. Um, Philip broke into a, a huge career launch for him right after Mercedes was born. So wow. it, I got to ta- I got to toss the baton to him, which was nice. Great. But it sounds like, I mean, this voiceover thing is huge. And we don't talk about it, really it a is. ton on the show. Um, yeah. I, you know, people will say, Michael, why don't you do voiceover? And I tell them, I try all the time. <laughs> I have two podcasts, but that doesn't guarantee that I'm ever going to get a voiceover. Like, I send them in. I send yeah. in those MP3s. I, I've had no luck. What has been the breakthrough for you? Do you feel like, like, was there anything that you didn't get? about voiceover that now you're like, oh, a light bulb went off. And ever since I tried this, this happened. No, no. But what is really great about voiceover for me, for my sanity versus Broadway auditioning for live theater versus self-tape when we, or even when we used to go into a casting director's office for voiceover, they're so quick and dirty, the auditions. So I don't think twice about it. Maybe I do once every 50 auditions. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go back in my closet and do that. And one of those I booked, that was Star Trek, Lower Decks. I went back in the closet the next day and I was like, it's not right. And I really like this character. Do you and hear I, that, everyone? Gabrielle Ruiz <laughs> is saying, go back into the closet. Go back, in, return to your closet. And and with self-tapes, you sometimes don't get a chance or it just like the time, the pre-production per se, to get to the audition it has just a very different rhythm and take and energy and time. I don't have to get dressed up for crying out loud. I mean, you and I, just so everyone knows, you're going to be my acting coach this evening. It's a McMill's Monday for me. That's right, everybody. Book it with Mike at gmail.com. Book it with... I'm so excited. I mean, stay tuned. Maybe I'll hate him. We'll see. But... We'll find out. We'll find out. She'll never call me back. Just so you know, Michael, ever again. I mean, thank you so much. But just so you know, Michael, I washed my hair yesterday for tonight's self-tape and I used my special shampoo. I made sure to dry it with the real dryer that's like this special hair dryer. And it's set so I can curl it when she goes, when my daughter goes to bed at eight o'clock. And it's just like so much work. Yeah, we're like that. You know, that's the thing that certainly seems to be like where being a parent affects your work as an actor is like you're doing this audition at 9 p.m. tonight. You know, I'm usually, <laughs> you know, am. watching Bachelor in Paradise around then. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, what one thing that with, that parents have always told me that this will happen is you really do cut the shit and just get it done because you really do only have two hours to yourself in certain windows. 
and before I would spend too much time not really doing well when it came to um, memorizing, utilizing my time. So I have to say that is for certain true. Are you going into self-tapes uh, completely off book or are you, are you a script in hand, you know, it's there if I need it kind of actor? Oh, there's a music stand literally as close to the lens as possible with the sides on it. Boom. <laughs> There you go, everyone. Cue cards. We ain't got no time, okay? They got they got made fun of a lot in the '80s, but I tell you what, cue cards. We need them. We really cue we really cards. Need them. If I, I even know someone. Maybe I think I think I'm right that you know he's a working actor. He's I mean, what are we? I'm, I'm in my I'm also in my 40s. I'm 37. So David has to be in his 50s at least, and he's been working forever. And I feel like he has that teleprompter right under the iPhone. I can't do that. Yeah. It takes me way too long to figure that out. So I just get. Literally a music stand that collapses and I stick it as close to the lens as possible. So when I glance, I'm not looking too far away from where my reader point of view is. Well, that's a perfect segue because as we all know from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, where you played Valencia, uh, you are a singer. How did you go from growing up in Texas, singing to New York and eventually L.A.? Were you doing musical theater back in Texas growing up? No. Next question. Okay. No, I'm Great. kidding. Um, so, <laughs> did you sing in the church choir? I was a Texas All-State Choir member, actually. <laughs> oh, tell me more about, uh, do you guys like do some big competitions and stuff? Do you have uh, sure, any ribbons, Texas trophies? Is real, Texas is real big and competitive, just in case nobody knew that. <laughs> um, and it's like, I was, <laughs> we're not going to forget it's there. It's the, it's like the largest. We're real proud. One of the largest states proud. in the union. We're going to remember I you, mean, Texas. Sure. Yes, yes. I don't live there anymore, but back in the day, we were real proud. <laughs> and I have to say, I was part of, I give all of my vocal training credit to public school education. I joined the choir in my public school and I was luckily a part of a group that cared and a teacher that was fabulous. And we were the choir cult and very serious. Whenever we competed, it was only classical. We never did the show choir thing. We would literally like turn our backs to the show choir kids. That's, at that's shocking we to me that you were not snobs. in show choir. I know. <laughs> Who would have thought? But I was, all, I was a choir cult kid. And then I was also like a dance studio. The only dancer I feel in my world at the time that was very serious about loving dance, <clears throat> I would stay, I would, let's just say I would stay after class and work on my fuetes. Okay. And people would roll their eyes like other classmates. What's and a I just fuete? loved it. What's fuete? Fuete? Do you ever watch Center Stage? Mm-mm. No. And I, I, it's too I watch bad it once it, a month. <laughs> there's a Carnegie Mellon grad in it as well. Um, well, I watch so it I, once a month mm-hmm. and it's okay. There's like a spin that happens, a, a spin that happens frequently with their legs hooking in towards it. It's like, and a fuerte, and a fuerte. I see it in your nice. neck. Yeah. I'll send you a link so you can see can the part it. of center stage that I'm talking about. There's this famous fuerte scene at the end. And if you're a dancer, dancer, Jody Sawyer does not stick the landing and it's fine. <laughs> I will still watch it next month again. <laughs> so were you thinking at that age, uh, like, I want to be a dancer? Was choir just something you yeah. enjoyed? Were, were you, what, what was never, your goal? N- I never knew. This is pre-YouTube. I never had exposure to, like, musical theater capabilities. So to even have an idea, and nobody told me that it was pot 
that there's a possibility and there's an opportunity that I could major in musical theater. I just so, knew I wanted to keep dancing. Yeah. My dance teacher at school, at, um, at my, my ballet school said, there's a great company, like a dance company you can join. And to be able to conquer that, you're going to be poor for the rest of your life practically. Um, and then my other dance teacher said, you should go to college for dance. And so I went, luckily, I auditioned for NYU, Juilliard, and Oklahoma City University. And I only got accepted at to OCU. And it was okay. a dance performance um, degree in focus. And I learned that musical theater was a thing once I got there in Oklahoma. So you didn't have musical theater in your high school growing up. Like no, you guys I remember putting once. On plays. We were put only doing sh- like we were spending all of our time competing for Texas All State Choir, Choir position. Okay. I was second chair, second soprano, and what the trophy was is this big ass patch that you put on your Letterman <laughs> that's yeah. literally the size of your head that says Texas All State, and it's it's it was huge for us. It was huge and hard. I mean, so hard, so many hours of practicing, and then like you know the the cuts they give it to you right before you go in the room. You're singing to a screen. There's you know, judges in the back. And so I had that idea of, of, you know, practice, practice, practice to be judged and not get it because I, I made it my, my junior year and I did it my senior year for all states. So that was a really great mature lesson from the beginning that you're going to fail. Yeah. (laughs) So you get to Oklahoma and you discover uh, I mean, musical that theater. You were, yeah, that you had discovered musical theaters in a state where there's a very famous musical theater show named after it. Uh, but yes, you're, you're, I yeah, I um, learned what uh, summer stock was. So that's when I started doing musical theater. I I got a job in the summer of putting on five musicals in ten weeks. So every other week you're putting on a new show. And the fact that I got a paycheck for it is when the light bulb struck. I mean, I was like, oh, shit. Like, wow, I can get paid to do this. Done. I was bitten by the bug. And I did consider switching to musical theater at that time. And I felt like keyboard and music, um, I mean, composition, basically, was not my jam. I love still Still to this day, I love the um, notation and the vocabulary of dance and the craft and the behind the the, the uh, pedagogy. So I stayed dance performance and I was able to like learn quick, fast lane musical theater in the summer. So was there any conflict of interest there? Did you have any teachers that were like, no, 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 you need to go into classical dance. You need to go in this direction. Don't don't go all, you know. Musical theater kids are garbage, garbage, you know, garbage people. Don't hang out with them. <laughs> what you're a garbage start, career. You're going to start smoking no, cigarettes I, and swearing. I, <laughs> the dancers smoked the cigarettes. We had weigh-ins, okay? Which That's they true. Just all, got the smokers, <laughs> all the smokers I knew in, in uh, high school were like, they all smoked Mar- Marlboro, Marlboro Lights and drank Diet Coke. Like that was, that was. <laughs> oh uh, yeah, the that's the way to do it. And so, no, I, I feel like. I was able to, I was called, we were called like the crossover kids. We could dabble sometimes doing musical theater, but I just, I loved, I loved my degree. I felt like I went to the right school. It was a musical theater driven dance program. So um, I luckily was able to really just scratch the itch and learn hardcore musical theater, even like shows. Like I didn't do any shows. We were supposed to do Little Shop of Horrors, my high school 
senior year and like there was no funding for it. So it just didn't yeah. happen. Okay. But I still put on my resume in college. <laughs> You're like, it would have happened. And you know, I would have <laughs> played I had nothing Audrey. else to put. <laughs> I did. I did book Audrey. Thank you. <laughs> so you're in, how long was that program in Oklahoma? Four years. It was a four-year program and it was career driven. It was a Broadway, you know, or rock if you if you wanted to be rocket if you either wanted to be like an ensemble Broadway member or a rocket OCU was a great school. Did you ever consider? Was there ever a moment you're like, you know what? Maybe I'll do rocket. <laughs> I actually auditioned for it. Funny did enough, you? I did. I'm not tall enough, so not for a rocket. But they have a dance core, like a dance ensemble, and the girls technically typically, if you get it past the first cut. You have to dance on point. And I was ready. And that was the last time I brought point shoes to an audition because I decided, Michael, once I got to New York to stop. A lot of the dancers in my college were always like, I'm so sorry, I'm just a dancer. They would disclaim themselves before they even tried or attempted to, you know, swim in the current of musical theater. And I would think musical theater kids do the same when it came to dance. Um, So I just, that always just like, I always found that so insulting to yourself, much less to the craft. And I wouldn't do that. I would just be like, no, I can sing. I, I actually trained in high school classically and I, I've got something going on. And so I, I would never do that. And I, I brought that with me in New York when I decided to start sweating and audition the next day for the singers for Radio City. There are some singers, basically, if you, if you I can mean, recall, someone's got to sing that music. When the Radio City Rockets are changing, basically, like Santa's gonna jump, you know, you just gotta need like, you know, one and a half minutes of something so they can quick change into the next costume for the next yeah. kick line number. And I was like, you know what? I need to start getting the sweats out. I need to start singing only and like be in singer mode. And also, Gabrielle, you don't know anybody here. So you can basically reinvent yourself. And I booked it because I got called back to the mover call and they're like, can you move? And I'm like, uh-huh. And so like I slayed the move call. It was so, and so clean and so fun. Um, yeah. So I booked it. That's so fascinating because obviously I knew you were such a terrific dancer. Um, Thank you. Working with you on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and it, now it's making sense. I, I, you know, clearly you're a triple threat. I didn't realize that dancing was what came, really came first for you. I mean, it sounds like the singing did as well. The singing was always there. But I'm surprised that someone who's had such a strong musical theater background and, you know, career, that they didn't start out doing that first and then discovering, oh, I'm good at dance. Oh, I'm good at singing. You know, for me, where I grew yeah. up, a lot of it was like, if you wanted to act, you had to do a, you had to do a musical. So I had to learn oh. to move as best I could. <laughs> Just still, you you're know, forced to move. You're forced to move, and then, um, and and carry. And you honestly, know, for guys, and I don't know about you. I don't know about you in the '90s, but if a guy joined a musical, it was like holla fucking luya. We've yeah. got a dude, and that was with for dance too. It's like we've got one guy. Put him in the center, and he's gonna pick up all the girls. Next, <laughs> next, like this, you know, the step and repeat assembly line. So for me, um, there just was no musical theater in South Texas the way there is now, and I feel like I was a part of that. Going back a lot, and you know, explaining that there's not only musical theater, there's also production, there's management. You know, when it comes to career, and um, yeah, I I just kind of came in a very different one, two, three, in, a di- in different steps. Great. I love it. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, breaking in 
to New York uh, once you got there. What happened after Radio City? Oh and then we're going to talk about some of the roles you've played out here in L.A. Okay, we're back with Gabrielle Ruiz, and we're talking about New York City. So you booked Radio City Music Hall. You're like, I'm awesome at this. When did Broadway (laughs) open the Great White Way for you? When did Broadway call? Um, And were you doing day jobs, too, I should ask? Like, were you, did you have... Again, this is a backwards story. So I booked, I booked that Radio City thing, also with an agent, and my agent said, you're not going to do that. And I was like, why? And she was like, because you just got here and you should try to like audition for things here. And the IATSE strike was happening in 2007 when I graduated college. And and I say that on purpose because there was a chorus line um, revival happening that year. I went and auditioned for it in 2005 or six when it was just having the big open open calls. Um, There is even, um, there's a documentary about it Every little step, it's called, and you. I can find. I found myself twice in the crowd. No way. Yeah, with Auditioning my Jan, for it. Yeah, with my Jan Sport red backpack, and I was a junior in college. And that audition is very famous for a double pirouette as your first audition opportunity. They line you up ten by ten, and they do a double spin on one leg, and you land it. And they're like, "Okay, thank you," and that's it. They just make a cut after that. Now, is that historically every production of Chorus Line on Broadway does that or just for the revival for this revival? It was it became very rather infamous where we were like, oh, shit, it's just a double pirouette. Like they're going to just make a decision off of that, which is I would say just as I would say just as like cutthroat as like a headshot cut because you really you're just who knows at that point. So it's kind of like really. But at the same time, you can I guess you can really find technique in one spot, like at two Brutus, like one, like three words, you know, and they would make a cut for an acting audition. Yeah. Which to I be think or not ha- to don't be. you think that Thank happens you. with casting directors though? You'd like say three lines and they're like, next. Oh, all the time, <laughs> all the time. I would say a majority. I, I think casting is like dating. I think, you know, within the first 10 seconds, if you're into somebody or not, you know what I mean? Yeah. Now, obviously there are exceptions where People grow on you and you go, oh, okay. Or someone represents you and said, like, someone's setting you up for this day. Like, you should check her out. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> but I, 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 absolutely, I think, like, that's why whenever I get an audition where it's more than two scenes, you know, unless they really need to see, like, some range, you know, some of these guest stars for, like, Magnum PI, where they give you the entire script for a one, you know, one episode guest star. I'm like, what do they need to see all of this for? <laughs> oh my gosh, I mean? you're gonna be so excited about tonight. It's three scenes for <laughs> guest star. I know, I read them, <laughs> but 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 I think there's different. We'll talk about it when we're working together. But I kind of get why they do that. But some of this stuff, <laughs> I'm like. Why are they doing all of it? Like they'll know, they'll know in they'll know in thirty seconds. You know, if so, I feel like with a chorus line, they'll know within a pirouette. That's it. And I and as a dance major, you know, I understand the arms. It's the neck. It's the it's the releve. It's you know the execution, the landing, the performance. You know, in two seconds, so they make a cut. Um, uh, the reason I mentioned the IATSE thing is I 
got cut my junior year in college. I went, got my ass back to school. And then there was, there was auditions again for the first national tour and possibly Broadway replacements. And, um, I actually warmed up for that double pirouette this time. I got up and did a ballet warm up. Oh, so you got cut the first time. nobody wanted to sign up first. I got cut the first time oh, in, wow. in, while okay. I was in college for the revival. Okay. And I got flew okay. all the way back to Oklahoma. Um, so at this point I was, a graduate, I was living in New York and I said, okay, I got to warm up actually and get ready for a double pirouette, prepare thyself. And, um, I was the first one to go. And, um, I made it through a lot of cuts, got coached with acting, the acting side saying, and, um, almost had a chance to replace the girl playing Deanna Morales at the time. But because of the IATSE strike, she wanted to come back. She changed her mm. mind. So they said, do you want the first national tour? It starts in four months. And I was like, yes, of course I do. So I did have a job kind of the first, you know, the first quarter of the year, but it didn't happen until the second quarter of my New York experience. So I had to work in New York for three months and... That was the true test of whether you liked New York City or not, because I didn't have any money. Yeah. I couldn't audition because everything was, you know, all the auditions for theater were are usually like three months ahead of before it happens. Per yeah, se. you were already booked up, which was great. And at the same time, I was like, oh, shit, I got to live. And so I worked at a restaurant. I hosted. I oh, man, I answered so many weird Craigslist ads. I oh, handed out no. H&M magazines. I almost worked for a foot fetish company, and I said, no, okay. thank you. What was that? You got you to gotta walk us through that moment. Foot modeling. Wow. On Who, Craigslist. How did they approach you? Oh, Craigslist. Okay. On Craigslist, I sent in my headshot. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, you know, this is not what we're focusing on. Right? This is not my foot, but here's my face. And they were like, we just want to let you know. When she called, she was like, we just want to let you know that our casting never really calls this soon. And we just were so, um, what she was like, we're so impressed with you. So we would love to book you for tomorrow night at the Plaza Hotel. <gasps> if you can show up around nine o'clock, oh. the, the party starts around 1030 and then you can stay as long as you want or accept as many tips as you want past 1 a.m. And I was like, I have a question. And she said, uh-huh. <laughs> And I said, um, what exactly is this foot modeling job? Like so naive, Ruiz. I think I sometimes still am naive in, cer in certain ways. And she's like, um, well, it's, it's, it's for uh, clients of ours that have a love for feet. And I said, and what exactly do they do? And she's like, they will relish, they will lick and suck your toes. <gasps> <laughs> and I said, please. Please delete all my contact information <laughs> and please never call me again. And like I curled up into fetus position in my little room in, New in like Queens. And I like had to take a half hour break of just like feeling so oddly violated. Half hour. And I would have been done for the position. day. Like, never call me again. I'm not interested. Please, please burn my headshot. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, that should have been, we should have saved that for the Patreon. That's wild. Oh, look at suck your toes. I mean, hey, it's a living. <laughs> it's a living, Gabrielle. I almost was a ring girl for a box. Yeah, I was almost a ring girl for a boxing thing in the Bronx. I didn't go that one either. And then um, I did a lot of weird. I was like the owl for Travelocity at a hotel. I was a mascot and I, I was into it. I was into New York. And I wait, you I were dressed up in a giant job. owl costume dancing around. Yeah. Yes, I have photos. Awesome. Awesome. I love that. 
Where did, how did that costume smell? Um, you know, I was 22, so I think it smelled fine. <laughs> Just picture the I think it was those. like 25 an hour, so it smelled great. <laughs> Incredible. So how was that tour? And like I had to, you know, greet customers. It was some Travelocity day. <laughs> the tour was great. It was one of the first, one of the last fully funded contracts before the recession. So it was great. We made the same amount of money we, that Broadway people were making. We were given a lot of per diem and hotel perks that Pete, that was the end of the time when you would go on tour to actually make, save money. Yeah. You know, Broadway, you make a living, you don't make a killing. And so it was wonderful. It was for a year and I was still flying myself back for some certain auditions here and there. Um, didn't book anything until uh, a year after a, doing a chorus line. That's when In the Heights happened which was my debut. And I had auditioned for In the Heights in a year before that. And I didn't book it at all. I didn't get a callback or anything. And I replaced Krista Rodriguez. Wow. So what do you later. think was different that time a year later? Just experience, luck? I got an acting coach. Actually, acting was my least practiced craft of all three. And a lot of my feedback was, it's her acting, it's her acting, it's her acting. And I never took it personally. I just took it like, yeah, I, I don't know how to do it. I, I am not raw talent is what I'll say. I say it all the time. I am a learned talent. And I have I have what it takes, but I don't know how to utilize it until someone teaches me how. What that was came it? with dance, that came with singing, and it also came with acting. What what was it with acting at the time that was a stumbling block? What 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 did you feel like... When people are saying it's your acting, what were you not connecting with? What were you not getting? I mean, for me to describe it for myself, which I still struggle with, especially when I go into a room, is dancers are peripheral. Dancers are flock. They know how to blend with people moving around them. When it comes to acting, it's not about you. It's about the reader. So when I go into survivor mode with um, in-person auditions, I will survive by watching myself. Because dancers live in front of a mirror. Interesting. Right? And we we know where everyone else is. If someone drops a hanky, I know how to catch it up in the middle of the combination. And I've been doing that for years. And if you put an improv person or if you put a, you know, it was so cool about Crazy X. This might be a tangent. was like, I got to see everyone else's craft in a dance studio. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? You can see mm-hmm. how everyone else learned and everyone else processed, you know, and the dancers would stand and wait and be quiet. And then we would just be able to flock, you know, we would just know how to fold into the flock. So when it came to acting, I would listen to myself. I would literally watch myself. I would see if anybody was reacting. I would just be not in the moment. And that was so difficult for me until I went to class. (laughs) Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to stand outside yourself. It's hard when you're standing outside of yourself tr- trying to direct yourself. And that's interesting because oh, I've never I've yes. never heard it put in those terms, but that makes sense. You know, when you're a dancer, you do have this sort of sixth sense, you know what I mean? It's this full body awareness and knowing where you are in space, in time, at any given moment, like you said. Absolutely. I can see mm-hmm. how, as an actor, because they're both performances, right? They're both part of the performing arts, that that muscle might get in get in the way when it comes to, mm-hmm. comes to acting. Yeah, and I just, 
was studying more on how to stand or how to look and how to perform just from just, you know, exerting it from different parts of the pores of my body versus it's really about the reader. Listen to them, react exactly what's happening and know your fucking lines, Gabrielle. Mm. And like the amount of time I would have to tally once I started getting very serious of like leveling my acting skill up to my dancing and singing. I would have to tally how many times I would run it right because I would just procrastinate. I would walk away. I would start doing something else. I would make excuses because it just was hard. It was just, I hadn't done it as much. And I still, to this day, like I had two pilot seasons only here in Hollywood before the rest, before the pandemic. And now everything's so different now past the pandemic of yeah. what is pilot season, much less being a mother now. But what is I auditioning? Would, <laughs> what is auditioning? I, I would... Philip was my reader, my husband, at the in those two seasons. And I would tell him, okay, let's run it in the kitchen. Okay, let's run it in the living room. Okay, because I would have to change my environment. Because every time I would go into a, a room, whether it be one person or just the two producers or a theater feel or a conference room with people on Zoom, like I would just go into full dancer survivor mode and just feel everybody in the room versus where the fuck is the reader and, so, you know, hone in. Wow, that's fascinating. I've never heard heard that right? before. Yeah, it's like your consciousness gets spread out instead of yeah. just being in your body where third you eye. need to be. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but I think that's not also uncommon for actors. You know, it's very easy to get comfortable in your own space, running a piece, working on an audition, and then walking into a casting office and going, oh, the 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 walls really echoed in there, and I could hear I could hear my own voice hitting me back, and I didn't like that, or the reader didn't look at me, or I remember I can't remember who the casting director was, but there was a couple times that this is it's been years now, but I would go in and there was like a casting director here in LA yep. who would read, would mouth your lines when you were saying them they were reading along and they would lip I know lip exactly s- who you're talking about <laughs> I know exactly who you're talking about And I was about. like what are you doing you cannot do that that is wild it's your job to cast actors and you're 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 mouthing the words along with their dialogue that's the most distracting thing you could do <laughs> crazy crazy and like where are the notes for the kid you know where's where are the casting director coaches that's what we need that same casting director gave me a line read and I called my agent for the callback I was like I really disagree with this line read and uh my cast my agent was like just do it and I did it (laughs) yeah and I did it and everybody laughed everybody laughed well there you go There you go. (laughs) Well, that person was also lip syncing everything I was saying. It was fine. (laughs) Oh, my God. So (laughs) so you do In the Heights. When you come out to, do you come out to L.A. for Crazy Ex-Girlfriend after you book that? After I booked Crazy X, did I yeah. come out? Is that what you mean? Yeah, I was. Sorry. I was a guest star. I was only a two-episode guest star, and I um, flew myself out for the final callback. They gave me the option, of course, to, they couldn't pay for my flight, but they yeah. wanted to have me uh, read with Rachel for Valencia. And Valencia, at that point, you could tell they were going to kill her off the island. She was a problem, and let's get rid of her. And I was thrilled. I was thrilled to at least do that, because I was ready to either be a part of a new Broadway show 
I was I was a good um, for casting directors. I was really good at replace. I was always a first replacement for the Broadway shows that I did, which is a very difficult position as much as when it comes to building up a show um, for so many other for another episode of the show to explain what that means. But when you're the new person with a set group of people, that's what Valencia felt like because it was like the first pilot. It was the first episode after the pilot. Right. And um, I am so glad that I flew myself out. I bought a one-way ticket because that's the money I wanted to spend. I didn't want to spend a return flight. And I was like, if it doesn't work out, I'll maybe audition a little bit more here. Um, And they made me wait for like 10 weeks and I didn't think they were going to call back like they'd promised. And they did. Cause I was like, the romance is over. They're casting. I think they were casting Pete Gardner and Vela Lavelle's roles at that point. They wanted to wait on Valencia cause she was a guest star versus let's cast the series regular kids. Mm-hmm. And they said, we'll call you after August. And I was like, okay. And then I was like, they're never going to call. And then they did. And they said, can you fly out next week? And I said, yes. And all of those no's, you know, you say yes to all of the ones that don't work out. And this one did <laughs> for crying wow. out loud. It actually did. And it was important to note that I feel like Aline and Rachel, especially Aline, told me later that she had to fight for me to book Valencia. Wow. Why? With Do you the know? network. Mm. Uh, yeah. And, and I mean, I can ask her later if it's okay to say, but like, I think she and I... Or at least she personally fought for me for many reasons, but either I wasn't, quote unquote, Hollywood pretty enough. And it was Mm. specifically because of my nose. Get out of town. And I think Aline and I, and I think Aline and I, she was like, I know what that feels like. And no, I was like, fuck you guys. She's great. You need to trust me on this. And I feel like Felicia Fasano also fought for me because when I had booked it, it was the first big table read that you know, uh, CBS was going to be there. Warner Brothers Brothers was going to be there. And she was like, congratulations. You, you're going to be so great. Okay, you got to look fucking hot. Okay, like be oh, hot for the table read. And she kind of like laid it on me with that. And, and, and for a Broadway understudy that has gone on without knowing second act before, that was fine. I have been, and, that's, <laughs> and especially being a dancer and like for ballet in college, like we had to wear a leotard pink tights, nothing else on us. We did a combination and the dance teachers would lean in to the center where the big grade book was and they would talk about you. So like the callus was there mm. and I was not afraid to do that. And it worked out. It was the show that was meant for me that catapulted me into Hollywood. I feel like kind of like my summer stock story, like it put me in a fast lane with Hollywood. And a, and a role that you made your own. I mean, clearly Thanks. written to be one character and then evolved to be your character. And it's it's really I think you would agree Michael. It's it's the relationship it's the relationships you build off screen, off camera. Like it's Rachel, I remember she would tell me in the first season she'd be like, "God, you're just so nice." Like, "Wow, you're so funny and nice." And I'm like, "Yes, I am not Valencia." <laughs> <laughs> and Alina and I hit it off well and and they were able to promote me to series regular, which is I feel not happen. It doesn't happen all the time and I knew it. I knew mm-hmm. it. And for being a part of three Broadway shows that closed, I was part of all three closing cast. All of Crazy all of Crazy X in my mind was the next show. Yeah. Like, yeah. how do I use this money? And how do I establish my foundation in Hollywood when I've never been here before? I've never been. I've not even danced in the chorus. I don't even know still to this day the dancers in Hollywood, except through Catherine Burns, our choreographer. 
I don't like go to dance auditions here. So I don't know the dance world. I still know the dance world in New York and all my friends there, but I'm very, I'm a different person here. I'm a different career brand. And um, all of Crazy X was preparing for the next job. Do you ever feel New York calling you back? Yeah. I say no. I don't miss that bitch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> She's hard. Broadway's hard. New York is hard. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least, you know what? Shout out to New York. I love her, but no. like, I, And like we did Radio City and I was like, I was like, yeah, yeah, this is New York, New York. I'm so happy to be back. I am fucking exhausted. This is bullshit. I can't wait to leave. Yeah. Well, you know what? At the end of the day, they'll always need feet in New York. So if worse comes to worse, <laughs> we, we can always show our feet. Um, <laughs> all right. I'm going to go down a list. I'm going to go down your IMDb list. And we're going to look at some oh, roles yeah. you played. Now, Let's see what I, roles I put in there. Yeah. Great. Well, love Audrey. That. Rocky. <laughs> yeah. Little Shop of Horrors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so this is a game I call, uh, show me your name. I'm going to name the part. You're going to tell me what project it was. And then if you have a memory you want to share from that project, let us know. How fun. We've already gotten Valencia out of the way. So let's try this. Um, (laughs) Tina, the role of Tina. Uh, is is that Esther's show? No, it is not alone together. Uh, that character's name was Linda, which is similar oh. to Tina. So you know what? You can't what be blamed for that. Tina, this Tina, er- Tina. Uh, okay, this is 2013. Uh, Law and Order? Yes, yeah, Special Victims. Work. I, every, I sometimes still get a residual for that. It's the Every best. New Yorker, yeah. Every New York. This is why you want to do these, uh, you know, old school network uh, procedurals because those those residuals never end you you know they may not be a ton but you'll you'll keep getting them uh tina what what role did you play in this all i did was at the beginning of the episode you they come in those series regular people iced tea yeah. they come in and they're like she's yelling she's screaming and they power through the door and i'm like on the floor getting assaulted the guy stands <gasps> up they distract and i say detective and then i go pow pow and i i shoot a gun twice Fun, And then it it actually ends up being a, it's revealed that it's a practice of some sort. I'm saying all the wrong police words, sorry. But it's all, it's like a practice and like they made the mistake by forgetting the person I think is a victim can also be. Ah, they were doing a training session. A training session. And And that's all I did. They're like, oh, sometimes the victim can also be the villain. Interesting (laughs) twist. Um, great. I love that. How about, yeah. Oh, I was going to say, I was going to say, um, that was the light bulb that I got paid one day, the same amount I got paid on Broadway for a week. And I was like, Broadway's, I don't know, this, this is nice. And they got food here. (laughs) Yeah. Free food and a week's worth of wages for one day. Absolutely. (laughs) Okay. Here's one. Frantic shopper. Yeah, that was um, Harvey Guillen's project. Oh, yeah. I love him. Dirty Filth? Filth? The Filth. The, the Filth. filth? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was a weird thing. That was weird. But it's in Santa Monica, and I love Harvey. I don't know if it's any, I don't know if it's continued at all, but he produced it, and he asked me to be a part of it, and it was so much fun. 
Great. Do it for him. Frantic shopper. All right, here we go. This is a fun one. And I remember seeing this because I like to show a lot. Gabrielle Ruiz. You played the role of Gabrielle. Oh, I feel like that is probably a Felicia Fasano casting of Better Things. That's right. How did that, was that because of Felicia that you got? This is, I love that show, Pamela Adlon's show. She's doing like rehearsals for a play mm-hmm. and you're basically playing yourself. I got to play myself. I think they wanted Philippa Sue for that. She's a mm. Hamilton mm-hmm. uh, shout out. Uh, she was unavailable. So they wanted a, a local, a local hire version. And Felicia sent me in and she, co- you know, she, she read it with me and, you know, gave me a few, little bit of coaching and vouched for me. And Pamela was amazing. And the whole cast, uh, who else was in that? Um, some really heavy hitting names. Let's pull it up because I am going to not make the mistakes of um, of uh, of saying. So I, in your episodes, I'm not sure, but the main cast, of course, well, Rebecca Metz, who I love, uh, the and Diedrich Bader, who's been around forever. I wonder who was in your episode. Let's take a look at that. But that was cool because I I was really into that show. That was like one of my like, uh, oh, I didn't watch this. I need to get caught up on it during the binge. And um, yeah, Mm -hmm. it doesn't say I'm having a hard time pinpointing your episode, but it's pretty, pretty great. Pretty cool. It's right here. Hold on. I'm going to I get I'm going to get all the names. too. So. Yeah, here you go. Marsha Thomason. (sighs) This is is what I'm real bad at. Is this is names? Oh, God, I'm so bad with names. Griffin Dune, Mike Feuerstein, Mike Mark Mark Feuerstein was in it. Norm Lewis, Holland Taylor was in it yeah. too as ourselves. Yeah. And it, what was really fun is I got to like hang out with these heavy hitters and be like, sure, I got it, I got this, and I did. And I uh, Pamela asked me to do a crying scene and just improvise, which I was very proud of myself to be able to do that. With That's great. Five seconds prep. Yeah, I got to be an actor. Thank you. I didn't have to sing I and I dance. I got to act. I love it. Well, I'm glad that you did get to act um, because I would have never been able to work with you had had you not found acting. Uh, Gabrielle, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Where can people find your stuff, find your voiceover work, any projects you've got going on, your podcast. Let us hear all about it. Thanks. My podcast is What Are Friends For? Uh, We talk about friendship, adulting, and um, all the good and the bad. It's a really nice thing to talk about that's not about my career with my best friends. So we really spend an hour a week talking about that. Um, One of my proudest voiceover moments at this time is Star Trek Lower Decks. I play a Vulcan. So cool. And it, her name is Talyn. It's so cool, Michael. I Man, mean, jealous. I played I played like this one small little character and then she, you know, got killed. And then I played the computer like this on the first season and I saw my name in Star Trek font and I was like, I did it. So the fact that they brought me back, that was the role in the voiceover closet where I was like, go back in. It needs to be this way. And um, they're bringing me back a lot, which is I really love great. It. So, they like me. So cool. What a dream <laughs> to be on not only yeah. an animated series, but something that's so... Mike McMahon is uh, great and just voiceover royalty and um, animation royalty. 
So I have a wonderful time doing that. And uh. I'm, I'm actually going to go to a film festival for a movie that I starred in as well as I choreographed. And I'm very proud of it. It's called Dance Dads and it's mockumentary style and all the guys are so funny in it and they let me just play funny with all the dance moves. And I had a Love wonderful it. time doing that. Yeah. Wait, that's great. Um, so if you're sad that this episode, oh, and where can people find you on social media and all that stuff? Really Instagram. I'm not a TikToker. Yeah. Gabrielle Ruiz and everything else is there. Guys, she didn't do all that dance training for all those years. <laughs> to go to TikTok, okay? The irony, you think I she would. Put I'd be the like, work in. It doesn't, it doesn't compute. And I think it's more the rabbit hole of just staying on TikTok for so long. I, I just, I, I've got to go on with my day. Yeah, I hear you. Um, all right, well, if you wish this episode was going on a little bit longer and you're going to be sad that there's no more Gabrielle, yeah. guess what? Uh, she's going to join me over in the green room where she's going to tell one of her, uh, I guess I say favorite <laughs> stories or a story. What Can you give us a little tease Fav- of what- Most uh, embarrassing. Most- Just- Yes, one word, dick. Wow, that's all you need to know. Thank you, Gabrielle. Okay, I got the kitchen under control. Gabrielle and I are already on our way backstage to the Slate Your Name green room. You can hear that episode right now over at patreon.com slash Slate Your Name. I would like to welcome Catherine Wool, who got her backstage pass this month. Thank you, Catherine. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to follow, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast app. Tell a friend. Tell a friend about us, please. Also, if you're an Apple Podcast person, please select this episode on your player. Scroll down until you see a write a review little tab at the bottom. Highlight thing. Click that. Give me five stars and write a review. I might read it on the air. Please do it for me. I'm a tired chef. Write to me. I want to hear from you. Ask me a burning Hollywood cue or share your thoughts or experiences at slateyournamepod at gmail.com. Follow me on Instagram at McMills and check out my other podcast, Bigfoot Collectors Club, which I co-host with actor Bryce Johnson and musician Riley Bray, who also happens to be the composer of the Slate Your Name theme. I forgot to mention him in the last few episodes. I'm sorry, Riley. I love you. I want to thank Gabrielle Ruiz for being my guest and John Forrest who edited and engineered this episode. Thank you, John. If we don't see you in the green room, we'll see you next week. And remember, don't call us. We'll call you. (laughs) 